Welcome to Trip Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Preschool fans say early childhood education gives kids a leg up before they hit kindergarten, but opponents say the push to put youngsters in class takes them out of the home too soon. Today on Trip Talk, we're talking about the debate that state lawmakers are now considering whether to provide state funding for optional preschool. And joining me on the Google Hangout today is Salt Lake County Mayor Ben McAdams. He has spearheaded a partnership between the county, Goldman Sachs, the United Way of Salt Lake, and Voices for Utah Children to fund preschool in the Granite School District. And he's joining us here in the Tribune newsroom. And Mayor McAdams, thank you so much for your time today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Eagle Forum uh, President Gail Rizika, who opposes state funding for preschool. And Gail, great to have you as well. Thank you for your time. I'm happy to be here. And you can join our conversation today. Should preschool be the standard to give kids a head start? Or is the social pressure to put youngsters in preschool taking them out of the home too soon? If you've got questions or comments, you can certainly join our conversation conversation today. Send them along to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google Plus or put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com. Uh, there are a few preschool funding uh, bills that are floating around the legislature. One is House Bill 96 that's sponsored by Representative Greg Hughes, a Republican from Draper. It passed out of the uh, Education Committee last week. Um, Mayor McAdams, you were there and testified. Why do you like this bill? You know, this is, first of all, the, the important thing to note about this bill is it's voluntary, that the parents can decide if they want to put their child into a preschool program. And then what it does is it targets some of our kids that are at risk, that are um, that studies have shown will fall through the cracks. And when they fall through the cracks, we're going to see dominoes that will fall as a consequence to that. Many of these kids end up experimenting and using drugs, getting involved with gangs, committing crime, and ending up in juvenile justice, and then later in life, going to jail and prison. And so this is this is really looking at um, the best opportunity to intervene to save these kids from falling through the cracks and and give them opportunities uh, opportunities to succeed in life. And these are kids who are coming from homes where they're quite frankly not um, where there aren't two parents in the home in many cases where where the parents are not giving them the opportunities to early learning that that many of our kids enjoy and we're trying to intervene and to support the function of these parents in, in raising their kids and, and helping them to have opportunities opportunities to succeed. As I understand it, it would be $5 million in state funding it put into a school readiness fund to be distributed to uh, schools and, and uh, uh, preschools um, for a high-quality preschool curriculum. Define that. Do you, what does that mean to you, Mayor McAdams? Many of these kids are, are in daycare programs that aren't really, that aren't, aren't where they're not learning, they're not uh, experimenting and getting ready for kindergarten, and uh, and they're just simply being babysat. And and some of these are, are even in-home programs as well. Some of these, some of the solutions that are provided for in this kindergarten readiness might be software-based programs. They could be uh, taking some of these existing daycares and helping them to receive some minimal training that can uh, that can upgrade a daycare into a high-quality preschool program, and then. And some of them would be uh, within the school district, but high-quality preschool is, uh, you know, one of the things we know is some of these kids who are starting at a disadvantage, they start kindergarten uh, with a vocabulary based on some of the studies we've seen. They start kindergarten with a vocabulary of about 500 words. 
Um, whereas many of their peers in the same kindergarten classroom are starting school with the vocabulary of a thousand to fifteen hundred words. Well, you throw all these kids in the in the kindergarten school together, the ones who have a five hundred word vocabulary simply don't understand what the teacher is trying to teach them, and they start to fall behind, and they're uh, they don't have the attention span, so their mind wanders, and they finish kindergarten further behind than when they started. And they start first grade, and and they fall further behind. And what we see is by third grade these kids are, are ending up in expensive state-funded special ed remediation programs to try and help them get caught up. But the studies show they never get caught up. Most of them, in fact, will stay in special ed, in resource, uh, through the duration of their time in school, uh, and many, many, if not most of them, will end up dropping out uh, because they're so far behind. Mm. Garrett Rosica, you were also at the hearing, uh, the uh, House Education Committee hearing on uh, House Bill 96 last week, testifying against it. Uh, it's uh, voluntary, an option for at-risk youth. Why do you think the state should not be funding a program like this? Well, first of all, that's not an appropriate uh, place to be putting the money. These little preschool children, little three- and four-year-old children, uh, all of a sudden we hear now, if we, if we put these little three and four year old children in, in a preschool situation, then we're not going to have to worry about them ever being part of gangs and we're not going to have to worry about the learning disabilities and, and so goes the list. Uh, there's no documentation of that and, and everybody has their study. Most of the studies on uh, that are quoted on this one is of the Perry study which was back in the 60s and has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. Probably the closest thing we can look at to see, talk about success is Head Start. And uh, after 48 years of Head Start, uh, guess what? They now discovered that it uh, certainly wasn't successful and that it, at the very best, at the, by the time they're in the third grade, children who ha didn't have Head Start and children who did have Head Start coming from the same economic background are at the same level. Uh, when you talk about the children that need this, well, if you look at the list of reasons that uh, uh, they they list for these children using this uh, particular program. It's things like if they qualify for free lunch or if they qualify for even a portion of free lunch. When you, and you look that up, that's just low-income children, not even really low-income children. Some of us are very large families have been there more than once. And uh, this is not a reason to think that these children have to have government paid for uh, preschools. And, and these preschools, private preschools are going to be funded with government money. Uh, some of these preschools will be put in, in the, the schools. In fact, in time, probably most of them will end up in the schools because if you build it, they will come. Everything starts this way. And the next thing you know, we have government preschools in all the, in all the schools. And you know, we're describing preschool the way we described kindergarten. This is what kindergarten was all about. Half days, the children go and they be prepared for the first grade. Now we want to prepare the children for kindergarten. Not only the four-year-olds, but the three-year-olds for kindergarten. What will, we, what will be next to prepare them for preschool? This is just simply not the way to go, and this is not the appropriate way to spend the money. We have problems in the, in the education system that money could help solve a lot of them, and we should use the money for that purpose, not for preschools. Little children... Uh, don't belong in institutions and parents that want to make these choices for their children can make those choices but children do better been uh, guided by their parents and I think just to, to claim that because children come from low-income homes or even single parent homes that for some reason they're at a disadvantage and, and that their, their, their parents can't do as good a job as parents in, in homes where they make more money mm -hmm. I, I find that insulting
We're speaking with Gail Rizika of the Utah Eagle Forum, also with the Salt Lake County Mayor Ben McAdams, and we're talking about state funding of preschool. And uh, both are with me here in the Tribune newsroom, and you're invited to join our conversation. If you'd like to join us with your questions or comments about state funding of preschool, send them along to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comment section of our page at sltrib.com. Uh, Gail brought up a couple of points, and Mayor McAdams, I'd like you to address them. First, um, what do you make of the slippery slope argument that uh, if you start funding preschool, it's going to lead to sort of a, a new social institution uh, and an expectation that all children must go to preschool? Well, I think, first of all, the, the program is voluntary, and, and I do hope that we are on a path where every child will have an opportunity to succeed, and they're not held back and pre prevented from happen having opportunities in life because they they started behind the starting blocks from where our other kids were. You know, the um, one of the things we do know is this is actually is based on studies and research, most recently by Nobel Prize winning economist James Heckman, who, who did a study of, of the effects of early education. Now we in Utah, um, we had seen this study, when I say we, I mean Voices for Utah Children and the United Way, had seen this study coming out of, of Professor James Heckman and, and modeled that in Utah with actual kids in an actual Utah preschool program and we've been tracking that data now for five years and what we saw is is we took cohorts of kids we put we got 60 of them into a high quality preschool program and what we've seen is over the years those kids are now entering the fourth grade and and their peers who did not have high quality preschool are typically on on the standardized test about 30 percentage points below their peers but those, those, the kids who were at risk and did get a high-quality preschool program, what we saw is that by the time those kids got to third and fourth grade, we had eliminated the achievement gap. These kids are reading at grade level. They're performing math at grade level. Their language skills are at grade level. So, so it is actually based on, on experience in Utah schools and actual studies that have shown um, the impact of, of early education. And I want to tell you just real quickly about... Um, so Salt Lake County took this program that had been done by um, United Way and Voices for Utah Children with 60 kids, and this year we expanded it from 60 to 600 with, with this partnership, expanding this partnership. And um, I had the opportunity earlier this year to visit one of these preschool programs uh, where, where 600 kids are available, able to access high-quality preschool. And in this program I met a mother. Her name was Jen, who was in the classroom volunteering with her daughter. Now, Jen and her husband work hard, like many of us, to put food on the table. And, uh, and she carves out a little bit of time each week to, to go and volunteer in her daughter's preschool class. Um, they, Jen, Jen tells me they were not going to be able to afford putting their daughter into preschool, that, that their daughter was in a daycare program uh, as they both worked to put food on the table. But because of this partnership, her daughter is in a high-quality preschool program where she's exposed to the learning and skills that she will need to, to be able to pull herself up, to have the opportunities to, to succeed as she goes on with her schooling and education, and to have a chance to, to provide for her future family. And, and it really is um, was so touching to me to see um, the opportunities that are made available through uh, to, to children who really couldn't otherwise afford it to have opportunities to succeed and to, to move themselves ahead. I, I, I want to get uh, some more of the, the detail on this partnership that you have formed with Voices for Utah Children and the United Way and Goldman Sachs. I mean, uh, 
can you talk a little bit more about that collaboration? What's in it for them to invest to send the 600 kids to, to Granite School preschool? Uh, what's what's the sales pitch there? Well, and I think this is really what's at the heart of the innovation of this model, and and also in Representative Hughes's HB 96 is is we know then from the studies that we've seen both nationally and then that have been performed here in Utah that we will save money by investing in preschool and and there's immediate cost savings with these kids who these 60 kids who have who have we've tracked for several years now um, are not in resource they're not in special ed uh, they're performing at grade level so so you see that by spending a little bit up front we are saving three years later these kids are not are not being uh, put into state funded uh, special ed. And so you see that cost savings and so you say we should be investing more in preschool but then you have the question of, of where does the money to fund preschool come from? And that's what's really at the heart of, of Representative Hughes's proposal is um, what you have is you have a, a private sector entity or philanthropist come in, in this case Goldman Sachs and J.B. Pritzker who come in and they say we will fund uh, we're so confident in the preschool program. We want to see these kids succeed. We will fund the upfront costs of preschool. And then if and only if uh, the program succeeds and the kids who are in this program do not go into special ed a few years later, that's when we will we will pay back Goldman Sachs and J.B. Pritzker uh, for their investment in our kids. So it, it really is a win for the taxpayer. If the program succeeds, the taxpayer saves money by not having to fund special ed and and will take a portion of that savings and use it to to repay um, the investment that was made previously in special ed. If the program fails then the taxpayer doesn't have to pay anything and so it really creates a win-win for the taxpayer and what philanthropists get out of this is they can take the money that's been repaid because of the success of the program and invest that again and you'll see a multiplier effect of, of investing through charities and and, and other entities who are investing to, to achieve um, change and, and promote opportunity for our at-risk kids. Mm. Now, Gail Rosico, I, I talked about that voluntary part of this whole equation and the fact that it's being invested from outside of government that would only have to be repaid if the experiment proves to be successful. Does that, is that enough of a safety net for you to say that this might be something worth trying? No, not at all. In fact, uh, the point that he brought up is exactly what we've been saying. Let these uh, investors, the, these private investors, uh, let them go ahead and, and have free schools. We don't need a government bill. We don't need to pass legislation that puts government money into this. If they really want to do this, and apparently they do, and if they find success in that, then they can donate their money just just as the mayor just said. These, they have donated their money. and. Um, that's fine. Let them set up these preschools for the poor. Uh, and, and of course, we have to really look at the definition of the poor. But when we start uh, using government money and setting up government preschools, when you have government money that's going to pay for these private preschools, what's the difference in having uh, government money pay for any private school, K through 12? You know, everybody complains about the idea that, gee, would we want to do vouchers? Would we want private money funding schools? And yet we are going to put these preschools, many of them in the, pri in the, the public school, paid for with... Uh, Money, government money, and uh, yeah, the, the, they're, they're, these investors, as they call them, are investing the money into the preschool. But you know what? The state of Utah has to pay that money back, and they have to pay that money back with interest. What you know, that's normally called bonding. So I'm, I'm not against. 
private uh, entities setting up preschools and offering them free to the poor. In fact, they could invest in that and, and, and make money on it with those that can pay so that they can use that to pay for the poor. And that, there's nothing wrong with that, and I would never object to that. But I'm talking about they've, they're going to the legislature, they're, they're asking them to pass a law, and then this law, you know, the state of Utah starts out by, by ongoing $5 million a year. Then there will also be uh, federal government uh, uh, money that's coming in there in the forms of grant. In fact, this is Obama's preschool uh, education plan, and he wants to partner with the states. He said it in 2013 and 2014 at the State of the Union. He brought it up again. He wants, you know, high-quality preschools in all the states, and he wants to partner with them. Well, that's exactly what this is, and there will be federal money that comes into this along with the state money. And then we talk about the success. Well, how do we know uh, exactly what the success of this will be and, and how these children would have done with or without this? Um, this is back again to preschools. We have no business funding government preschools, not at all. That uh, We have kindergarten. Kindergarten was to do this very thing. The children will do just fine with kindergarten. But let these uh, these benevolent uh, investors, and, and, uh, I, and I use that, uh, you know, in, in this term as, as a good term, but let them fund private preschools without government involvement. That will work. In fact, it'll work well for them, and uh, they'll be able to accomplish the goals. In fact, we just heard about how, how they came in there with private money, and they had 60 students, and now they've expanded to 600. Let's continue to do it that way and keep the state government out of it. We mm -hmm. don't want to build these, these uh government uh, preschools that in time all children will participate just like kindergarten this, you know kindergarten is not mandatory and we've never said this was mandatory nobody says this is mandatory it will be mandatory the state provided if they pass this bill just like kindergarten is mandatory the state provide provide kindergarten but over 90 percent of the children in the state of Utah go to kindergarten and yet it's not mandatory the same thing will happen with preschool again if you build it they will come we have no business putting these little three and four year olds in an institutional set setting. That's not a good place for them. I, I want to get to some of our comments, but before we do though, uh, Mayor McAdams, can you just quickly respond to the question, why? Why should government be in this business at all? Well, I think that's really at the heart of what this proposal is, is it's, it's actually not a government preschool program. Uh, in fact, under HB 96, you would see private providers, you could see software-based providers, maybe some school districts qualify, but, but government really, right now, what I think is, and we all talk about governments being, broke, being broken, and in many cases it is, right now government will pay for failure. Um, we pay uh, when, when kids fall through the cracks, when they end up, uh, committing crimes, they end up in juvenile justice programs. When they drop out of high school, we fund GED programs. We send them to jail, we incarcerate them, we fund drug addiction programs. And government government is the payer of failure. What, what I would much prefer to see is government being in a position of paying for success. And that's what this is. We're, we're not dictating what a preschool program would look like. Government is simply saying, if we know that um, that certain people with certain uh, uh, classifications are very likely to end up uh, hitting our government and taxpayer-funded balance sheets through failure. Um, but and we can say, look, a, a child that is is likely to end up in special ed, we would much rather pay for that child to stay out of special ed, and it's worth about two thousand dollars a child to us. So we put it up, and we say anybody who can anybody who can fit the need, who can keep a child uh, out of special ed, we will pay. 
and and no matter how they do it, it's not a government preschool program. And and we're paying for success. And I'd much rather pay for success than pay pay for failure. And 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 then you let the private sector come in and and innovate and and uh, come in and figure out ways to do this. What you've got is uh, if if you rely on charity alone. You might see 60 kids, you might see 600 kids, but we're never going to be able to meet the need of the kids who are today falling through the cracks of our school system and ending up the failing and we're having to pay for pay the consequences of that failure. So if you if you come in with this hybrid where government you know government's going to have to pay for failure, we're willing to pay for success and pretty quickly you can get to scale where um, we're able to help uh, people who need help and, and to create those opportunities for low-income children who, who can't afford it currently. Mm. Uh, let's get to some of our comments. Uh, this on our website, sltrip.com, Vox Clementis writes, unless something new has been discovered since Freakonomics was published, preschool shows no statistical significance in educational value. Finland has the highest rated school system in the world where preschool is for six-year-olds and compulsory school starts at age seven. Maybe we should pay attention to things that actually have value. Uh, this from, um, uh, let's see, let's go to Magistrate 90. Why wouldn't we want to make sure all kids have a fair shot at success? We know that kids who start behind stay behind. Low-income kids have about half of the vocabulary of their more affluent counterparts when they enter kindergarten. This is about closing the opportunity gap. Parents who don't want to send their children to preschool don't have to. It's optional. Um, so I, I, we're hearing the arguments fast and furious on both sides of this issue. I mean, does it boil down to uh, the what the studies show? Is preschool effective? Is that what it boils down to for you, Gail Rosica? Well, you could never boil it down to the studies because both sides will show studies. Studies that show that children do better and learn better if they have the opportunity to play and to not be in an institutional setting. Uh, that, you know, when you look at the list of, of the academics that these children are to be taught, and I remember I'm talking about a three-year-old here, a four-year-old, uh, it looks like a high school list. And so everybody has their opinions, everybody has their studies, but Preschool is going to cost a lot of money, and preschool is not the answer. We have kindergarten. The money is there. If we're really going to put this money where, where it can be, do a lot of good, let's put it in the first and second grade in reading programs. If the children are reading no later than the third grade, if we had programs to see that every child was reading by the third grade, those children will be successful. That's not going to come from making sure they go to, to preschool. Uh, we put that money in reading programs in the first and second grade, and that's how that will work. Uh, but but looking at all these different studies, if you like, I said the biggest study out there is 48 years of uh, Head Start, and after 48 years of Head Start, uh, there, there's not showing any success at all. And you know, right now we have what's called Upstart in the state, and that is this program that uh, for preschoolers in the home with the mothers. It's only 15 minutes a day, so it doesn't matter if it's a single mother. It doesn't matter if the mother works outside of the home. She spends 15 minutes a day with her child. Uh, the state already provides for them a, a computer for the home and a program, and they just sit down in front of that computer with their preschooler with that program for 15 minutes a day. Now, this has been a, a pilot program for a few years now. There is legislation out there. Um, from uh, coming from the Senate with Senator Adams, that will make this uh, not a, a, a you know a, 
pilot program anymore where they will actually uh, make this available for all low income. And that is part of this. Uh, in, in House Bill 96, they also are offering an upstart type of program. But we don't need to, to spend all this money that we have in, in House Bill 96. In fact, even the upstart could certainly save some money. So it, it's there. And, and that and to say that all children couldn't take advantage of that, every parent and that, that would qualify for any part of 96 would qualify for this. You don't have to be home during the day to qualify. You don't have to be a mother. You can be a father. Maybe the, both the mother and the father taking turns 15 minutes a day sitting down with the little three-year-old and 15 minutes is all that three-year-old is going to be able to tolerate and working with them will, will solve the problem. We don't need to start all these brick-and-mortar preschools out there uh, in the public schools and in the private sector just don't need to do that and as again this will all be paid for by the state government uh, all this money by, by these investors as they call them this donated money it's not donated and it'll all have to be paid back so with interest so this is government money and it would be federal government money added to it more federal money than I think we'll ever begin to understand as as the Obama program gets larger and larger and it's the very same high quality preschool program this is a government state and federal government program and we don't need that Mayor McAdams a couple things that Gail mentioned first um, what about pouring the money into the first and second grades why why is preschool so uh, essential do you think to a child's success well, you know, we will we will try and help our children succeed at, at whatever point we can in life. But one of the things we know from studies is that the brain development frequently, uh, the, many times, the brain is developed uh, ninety percent brain development by age five. So the earlier we can get to these kids and help them close the opportunity gap and help them start to perform on par with their peers, they're going to have better chances of success. Uh, if if we wait till it's second grade till second grade, then we've paid for two years of these kids to be in the public school system to not learn. And and if we can get them before they start in kindergarten and help them to be performing on par with their peers by kindergarten, then those years of first and second grade will be productive years for their learning as well. We we looked at our Salt Lake County budget and and where we pay for failure. And, and what, what we've seen, comparing it to national studies and the local studies that have been done, is that for every dollar spent uh, preparing a child to learn, we will save $14 on the back end. So, as I've said, Salt Lake County government will pay for failure because there's nobody else that's going to capture criminals on the street and capture kids and put them in a 